They are one of the largest recipients of NIH funding. Their scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute has been making one advanced cancer discovery after another for over 75 years. At Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, what we do here changes lives everywhere. Find out more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. We're celebrating Marketplace's 35th anniversary with some throwback thank you gifts available during this March fundraiser. We took our old dot-com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how much you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at Marketplace.org slash donate. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at Marketplace.org slash donate. Looking for the wrong inflation in the right places? I'm David Brancaccio. The Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation is out this morning. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index ticked down in January, rising at a slower rate of 2.4% in a year. On Thursdays here, we check in with Diane Swank, chief economist at the audit tax and advisory firm KPMG. Diane, lower but still up. Yeah, they're still growing up and they're going up in the wrong places for the Fed. I mean, the good news is that we saw goods prices continue to recede. But what the Federal Reserve is worried about is that service sector inflation is getting sticky and that actually accelerated during the month. Now, some of the acceleration was actually due to higher interest rates and financial service cost fees. But another part of the acceleration is something that they're going to be watching very closely, and that's in everything from food and accommodation services to healthcare costs. Those are going up as well, and that's an area where inflation could get more sticky and create a floor under inflation. And they want to ensure that inflation not only gets to 2%, it stays there. Now, Diane, one last thing before we go. It is the extra day of February, and some people have noticed some connection between markets being a little soft on leap days in history? Are you sitting there worried about leap day? (laughs) Uh, No. Uh, Causation and correlation are two different things. And uh, one of the things that I don't sit there and lose sleep over is whether or not it's leap day. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy.
Disney has announced it's joining forces with India's largest private sector company, Reliance Industries, to create a TV and digital streaming platform that will serve up everything from Disney movies to TV dramas to live sports, notably cricket. The joint venture is worth eight and a half billion dollars to serve 750 million viewers. Here's Marketplace's Stephanie Hughes. There's this saying in India, says Gita Ranganathan, a media analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Yeah, the first thing that Indians care about is cricket. Then it's religion, and then it's Bollywood. At least two of the three, cricket and Bollywood, will be available on this new platform. Ranganathan says Disney has had a presence in India for years, but lost cricket streaming rights a couple years back to Reliance. That meant losing a bunch of customers while having to keep subscription fees low. You know, it is a very price-sensitive market, so they obviously needed to keep that price point pretty compelling. But they were losing money. Ranganathan says this joint venture is a strategic move from Disney in the world's most populous country, where more and more people are getting access to broadband. John Blevins is a professor at Cornell and a tech strategy consultant. They've got an expanding middle class, and when you think of streaming services, they're getting infrastructure now that's enabling that. Also, Blevins says cricket games are long, which means plenty of opportunities for advertising. I'm Stephanie Hughes for Marketplace. Now to the business of education and the arts. Today, the economics of a great marching band at a historically black university, as told by the band leader, Prairie View A and M University in Texas. The band is the marching storm, where resources are a challenge, but not the energy. My name is Timmy Zachary. I'm the director of bands at Prairie View A and M University. Prairie View is a special institution. The quality of the engineering program, the quality of the architecture program, the quality of the criminal justice and psychology program, the quality of the pre-med biology program, the quality of the nursing program is phenomenal. But a lot of our students come because they see the band do whatever they do, and they say, "Hey, let me check this school out." Even though I may not be in the band, that looks like a place I would want to be. The resources based on what we do at HBCUs are always going to be geared toward science, STEM. That's just where we are in the 21st century, and where HBCUs are. A lot of the band cultures stem out of the late 60s and 70s. So most of the environmental and facilities come from the 70s. And being mindful that the largest band that I've had since I've been here was 410 people. Imagine trying to put 410 people in about 3,000 square feet. Luckily enough for us, they're building a new band facility, which is five times larger than the current facility. We're not trying to kill the environment, so everyone reads music on an iPad, which we had the opportunity to invest in through the university during COVID, which we fostered and kept going. We're probably at the vanguard of technology with all band programs, not just HBCUs. But it's not out of our desire to, you know, get into the future with the Jetsons. It's out of the desire to stay out of the era with the Flintstones. All bands do the same thing, but it's like the genres that we pull from are more popular, so people are able to connect to them differently. You could play Phantom of the Opera. It's just not going to get a response unless you're in front of people who understand Phantom of the Opera, and that's the allure to HBCU bands. Being synchronized with 360 people 
and have them turn on a dime in 10 seconds and go a different direction together. That says something about those individuals. It says something about that institution. And I think that even though it may be unbeknownst to the students who are watching it and witnessing it, that is a ploy. That is something that is going to act as a rod and reel and pull them in. I want to be a part of that environment. I want to be, even if I'm just cheering for it, with that. Not very many people have seen an HBCU band live because there aren't that many of them in the landscape of how many bands are in America. Has anyone ever thought about that? There are only 14 bands in our conference. There are thousands of bands across the continental U.S. There are only 14 in our conference, and this is the power band conference. There are no better HBCU bands. For every first-time viewer of an HBCU band that I've gotten to speak with, I'd say 99 out of 100 of them were in absolute awe. They had no idea that what we were able to do could be done. We don't think about the cost of what a band is to a university and what it actually costs to sustain a band. And of course, they get it back in other ways of revenue. But I'd like for people to use that exposure to expose the fact that we don't have all the resources that we need in order to do this. We just, like I said earlier, we make it happen, we make it happen, and we make it happen. To be in a space where not only you're recognizing our talent, but you're supporting it. I think that that would be an ideal space for us. And that would give us an opportunity to perform for more people. Once again, there are a limited number of HBCUs in the country, especially those that have HBCU bands of note. So we're talking maybe 30 bands out of 3,000 across the country. So when you put it into perspective, <laughs> seeing an HBCU band is kind of rare. It's not as, as hard as winning the lottery, but it's on the way there. Timmy Zachary, director of bands at Prairie View A&M in Texas, about 45 minutes from Houston. I'm David Brancaccio. You're listening to the Marketplace Morning Report. From APM, American Public Media.